following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 39. That's page 856 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. We... uh, we had determined that there was going to be, um, as part of Joel's installation as an elder, um, some poisonous snakes and uh, some high uh, jump, but the snakes didn't show up. So um, you just count, you can't count on the internet to really get your invitations out there. So sorry, we'll just have to take it as it is. Well, all right. Yeah, now you have a picture of what our elders' meetings are like. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we made Joel an elder so there'd be an adult in the room when the elders got together. All right. So, <laughs> so last week, uh, in, when we were looking at the Gospel of Luke, we left uh, Mary having just been visited by the angel Gabriel who told her the good news that she would bear a son by the Holy Spirit. Uh, he also told her that her relative Elizabeth in her old age was also, had also conceived a son and was in her sixth month, even though she was previously barren. Um, so that's where we're picking up uh, this account uh, in, in Luke 1 at verse 39. Mary traveled from Nazareth to see her relative Elizabeth, uh, and we'll pick up right there. Verse 39. We'll read this text and then pray together. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the freedom that we enjoy to read it together. We pray now that your spirit would speak to us and that we would be changed as a result of our time together in your word. We thank you for preserving your word and for preserving your church. May we all be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, I know that I'm guilty of reading through the first chapter of Luke very quickly and just just blowing over this story, uh, this part of the, of the account. Um, and that's uh, bad. 
Um, there's a lot. There's a lot here to be learned. Um, if you if we just stop and think about it for a minute, um, I'm inclined to think that the Holy Spirit conceived the Lord Jesus in Mary's womb right in the middle of verse 38. We started at verse 39. Verse 38 says, And Mary said to Gabriel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, me, let it be to me according to your word. There. Boom. And then the angel departed from her. It's not really that important to have an opinion on this. Um, but I think that when Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It happened according uh, to his word. Um, and then the angel departed. Um, and regardless of your opinion on the subject, within the next few days, um, she went from Nazareth to a village in the hill country of Judah. Now, again, if you just read through it, hill, village in the hill country of Judah, don't think anything about it, just keep reading. Well, like most details in Scripture, uh, scholars are actually, um, there's some debate um, about this particular detail. Um, there's some debate among the scholars of whether or not Luke, rather uncharacteristically, doesn't name the village. This is a village or a town in the hill country of Judah. That's not very Luke-like if you read the rest of the gospel, that it just kind of leave that piece of information off there. Um, so maybe he did. Maybe he did on purpose. He really meant a village in the hill country of Judah, or he meant a village in the hill country named Judah. Ooh, I bet you never thought of that. There is a village in the hill country of Judah named Judah, only spelled with T's instead of a D, J-U-T-T-A. There is still, there was then, there is still a village in the hill country of Judah um, called Judah. Um, and this was one of the cities of the Levites described in the Old Testament. So, is that detail important? Maybe not. But, at least allow this detail to inform you that there is a lot of detail. And there is a lot we can learn um, in and about scripture that may not necessarily be on the surface, um, but that can definitely deepen our understanding of scripture uh, if we'll just take the opportunity to look. Because we can just blow over that. She went from Nazareth, hill country of Judah. There's a village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Is it a big deal you know the name of the town? No, but it is a big deal that the town had a name and there are, those details are available to us. All we've got to do is scratch a little bit and we can find them. So, that's for free. Regardless of the name of the town that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in, in Judah, Mary went with haste to visit Elizabeth. So this is probably a 60 or 70 mile journey on foot for Mary to make. Uh, there's a couple of things to remember. Um, Mary didn't have email. Um and she didn't have Facebook, which is how we get the news of the world, right? Uh, is, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's accurate or not, it's just news, right? <laughs> All right, she had no phone, no text, no way of letting Elizabeth know in that short span of time what had happened to her. 
um, and that she should expect a visit from her in a few days. And by the way, she's going to stay for three months. Um, she just shows up. Um, so Mary traveled uh, on foot roughly 60 or 70 miles from Nazareth to see her relative Elizabeth. And there's details there about how Mary and Elizabeth are related. That again, it's how many angels can stand on the head of a pin because Mary and Joseph are the tribe of Judah, of the line of David. Zechariah and Elizabeth are the tribe of Levi in the line of Aaron. How do you get related? Well, you, you people get married across tribes. Big deal. And I didn't write it down because it wasn't a big deal. But I'm saying it anyway. So let's keep moving with what I did write down. Sorry. But there are details. And I think maybe I'm just a nerd, but I think this stuff is fascinating. So anyway, Mary, unannounced, shows up at Elizabeth's house. And when Mary greeted Elizabeth, that's when things get interesting. Verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. So who's the baby that Elizabeth is carrying? John the Baptist. Not insignificant. Remember that the angel Gabriel, or what the angel Gabriel said about him back in verse 15, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Now, I want to be clear, for the 400 years prior to this, it's not that the Lord wasn't active. He kept the planet spinning and he kept people's hearts beating and kept their atoms from flying apart. The Lord was active. What he hadn't done was spoken by the Spirit through a prophet for 400 years. And this encounter, this encounter was taking place at the end of 400 years of silence. This is when it starts. And throughout the Old Testament, the Lord spoke to his people through the mouths of prophets who were filled with the Holy Spirit. But they were only filled temporarily. This, again, is part of the advantage of being in the church in that when we come to faith in Christ, we are filled with the Spirit. And he comes and lives within us and doesn't leave. Okay, praise the Lord for that. In the Old Testament, it didn't work that way. They were filled temporarily. It wasn't until the day of Pentecost. You can read about that in Acts chapter two. It wasn't until the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit fell on all the believers in Jesus and dwelt within them and stayed. Before that day, the Holy Spirit only filled people for specific tasks at specific times, except for John the Baptist. Because he was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. So 400 years of prophetic silence were finally ended with this little unborn baby, John the Baptist. Full of the Spirit, jumping for joy in his mother's womb at the arrival of Messiah. Microscopic Messiah in his mother's womb. But John wasn't the only one filled with the Spirit that day. Let's consider Elizabeth's response. In verse 41, Luke writes, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that after 400 years of prophetic silence, we have that silence broken. Well, I guess the silence wasn't broken by John jumping around. Um, but the first person to be filled with the Spirit and speak was a woman. That's not an insignificant detail. In fact, Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a discussion for another time, but it's one worth having. So getting back to Mary and Elizabeth, like I said, Elizabeth didn't know that Mary was pregnant. She didn't know she was coming. But the Holy Spirit did know and revealed it to her. And since it was the Lord speaking through her, it was a beautiful and perfect response to the Lord's work in Mary's life. It's one of blessings and humility and joy. I think we can learn a lot from her response. Now, far too often, I'm, I'm sure I'm only talking about me, but far too often in our hearts, we respond to the blessings in other people's lives with envy, not sincere praise. We need to be mindful of how we respond to the movement of the Lord on other people's lives. Praising him for his grace and mercy instead of subtle jealousy. Well, I wish I could do X, Y, Z. I wish I could be X, Y, Z. Why is it that they get all the blessings? What's wrong with me? Elizabeth gives us the second phrase of what would later become the Hail Mary that we talked about last week. Blessed are you among women, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, those of you that know me know that uh, when it comes to Greek words, um, I'm again kind of a nerd about this. The word there's a word that's translated into, into English, blessed, three times in this passage, but two different Greek words are used, and that's important. Um, the word translated blessed in this phrase um, of Elizabeth uh, both times means to be a recipient of God's favor. You're favored by the Lord, right? And it's important to know this because our translator used the word blessed three times in this passage, but the Greek words are not the same. These first two blesseds here in uh, in these verses are from the Greek word um, eulageo. Impress your friends with that one. Um, this is where we get our word eulogy, right? What is a eulogy? It's a story that you tell at someone's funeral, praising them and their lives uh, and their telling of their blessings, right? That's what um, Elizabeth is doing, only Mary's not dead. Um, but she is telling of the blessings, right? And the third blessed later on in our text is a different Greek word, 
uh, makarios, which means happy. When in the Beatitudes, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, that word is this same word, which means happy. Um, it's a, it's deeper than, you know, my team won the Super Bowl and I'm happy. Um, or whatever. Uh, it, it's, it's fuller than that, but I just understand that there, these two words are different. So Elizabeth's response begins with blessings because of God's favor, uh, not only on, uh, on Mary, but on the whole world, right? Um, she wasn't just saying, wow, Mary, you're great. Uh, it, God has blessed the whole world. Elizabeth, through the Spirit, understood that the baby that Mary carried was more than just a second cousin, right? Um, and that leads to the second theme of Elizabeth's response, and that's humility. In verse 43, Elizabeth, Elizabeth asks this question, Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And uh, my emphasis there isn't, isn't even right there. Why is it granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? Maybe that's a little, a little better. Through the Holy Spirit, it was relieved, it was revealed to Elizabeth and confirmed to Mary that Mary's child was, in fact, the long-awaited Messiah, not just another baby. Now, if you think, think back here, Elizabeth is six months pregnant, right? So for the past six months, when Zechariah came back from his uh, um, service at the temple and had to explain to her uh, in whatever ways he could, either writing on a tablet, which you'll see later on, um, or making signs or whatever, she knew that uh, things were different, right? She knew that the day of the Lord was coming. This... uh, you know, he could have said, let's look at the scroll of Micah and we'll see uh, that Elijah is coming. And the angel said that this baby is is the one that's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah to declare, prepare the way for the Lord. All right. So for six months, Elizabeth knew that the day of the Lord was coming. She didn't know when, but she knew that it was coming. No doubt Zechariah had filled her in on all the details. But in her humility, she didn't count herself worthy to have the Lord's mother grace her with her presence. And again, it's important to note the details here. When Elizabeth uses the word Lord, the mother of my Lord, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Um, I, I think we all know that that word Lord is a little more significant than um than, than we would use of just any ruler, human ruler in the world, right? It's not really part of our vernacular nowadays, but, if, you know, you see in TV and movies and, oh, my Lord, uh, you know, whatever. Um, Elizabeth used a different title than, than that. You, Elizabeth used the title for God and for Christ. Um, she was proclaiming in the spirit that Mary carried the Messiah and she was humbled by the blessing of being in her in their presence. I think that's humbling, um, if you think about that for a minute. And lastly, Elizabeth and John both responded with joy. 
For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And here's our third uh, blessed. Um, again, this time the Greek word means happy. But like, really happy. Wicked happy. So baby John is jumping for joy. And in her joy, Elizabeth declares the joy of she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, I don't know about you. Again, I think I'm just speaking for myself, but take it for what it's worth. We have a tendency to arrange things in hierarchies, like uh, to arrange things in order of our perception of their importance or people and arrange them in our perception of their importance. Um, so who's more important in this account, Elizabeth or Mary? Well, while they should be honored for their service to the Lord and their humble submission to his plan, they aren't any different. Mary is not more important than Elizabeth. Elizabeth's not more important than Mary. They were both sinners, right? They both stood on equal footing before the Lord as a result of their sin, just like us. They both needed to be redeemed by faith in Messiah, Jesus Christ, and his day had arrived. They were both people that God the Father chose to use to accomplish his purposes in the world. In that way, they're no different from each other, and they're no different from us. They were chosen by God for a specific purpose, a specific time. What did, what did Mary and Elizabeth had to go, have to go on at this point? All they had was the word of the Lord. You know who's just like that? Us. All we have is the word of the Lord to go on, right? In fact, we have a great advantage over uh, Mary and Elizabeth that we have the word of God written for us and we have the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus resident in us to understand God's word. You cannot understand God's word without the Holy Spirit. But God's word can certainly drive you to him if you don't have him. We were just talking this week about um, the book Evidence That Demands a Verdict where a man sought to disprove the Bible through careful study and research and end up coming to faith in Christ because that's what it does. That's what the Word of God does. And like Mary and Elizabeth, we are all sinners in need of God's grace, in need of God's forgiveness. That is only available through faith in Jesus Christ. I say that part again. Only available through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about being good. It's not about being useful. It's not about not murdering anyone. We can only be forgiven of our sin through faith in Jesus Christ. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like Mary and Elizabeth, all we have is the word of God to go on. We also get the Spirit of the Lord to guide and empower us to follow the word of the Lord and thus follow the Lord himself. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is all that we have to go on.
But it is enough. It's more than enough for us to be able to follow you, to be able to have faith in you. You have given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You've given us everything we need. Lord, I pray that we as a church would gather around your word. That we would hold strong to your word. That we would read it. Read it every day, multiple times. What a blessing it is to have the word of the Lord. May we never forget and never neglect it. Help us, Lord, to not be jealous of those who we think are more blessed than us or more important than us when we all stand on equal footing. We thank you for using Mary and Elizabeth for your glory. May the glory be yours and yours alone. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.